everybody. Welcome to our special edition Quarantine Queen series of the For the Love podcast. I'm really happy that you're here today. Today is our last episode of our Quarantine Queens series. It's most likely not going to be the last day of quarantine. None of us know how long this is going to go on, but it has been encouraging to hear our leaders putting feelers out about when might be a good time to start to open the world back up. I know I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to be in a store. I'm ready to sit down at a restaurant. I'm ready for our community to start to rebuild together and to heal and to come back together. I want to just say a quick thank you before we get into today's episode for letting us serve you during these last few weeks. We have really, my whole team, podcast team has worked hard to put wise experts and useful tools into your hands. Our hope is that this has been a time, aside from all the general craziness and figuring out how to rebalance and find new normal that you have found a little bit of space to do some internal work to think about who you are and where you're going, what's serving you in your life right now, what's not. And so I want to wrap this series in a bow by talking to you about how we might use these days to think about what is good for our souls, like the very essence of our lives and what we might be able to walk away with from this time. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to International Justice Mission, who's making this whole episode possible. You've probably heard of IJM. They are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. And they work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking. They've actually recently turned some of their attention to some serious efforts to help vulnerable and remote communities during the time of COVID-19. They have so many amazing stories of how they have helped people. I've seen it firsthand in traveling with them. And they are the kind of stories that give you faith that even the worst situations can still have beauty, can still have a wonderful outcome, can still have justice. So I highly recommend that you go to ijm.org slash share hope now to watch these stories. It really helps in the swirl of bad news to see some good and beautiful things happening. My guest today is Paula Ferris. You know Paula. She's an award-winning correspondent for ABC News. She is the host of the fabulous ABC podcast called Journeys of Faith, where honestly she talks with some of the world's most influential people and how they lean on faith during their bright spots and also dark moments. From 2014 to 2018, Paula was the co-anchor of Good Morning America Weekend and a co-host of The View for a few seasons. So you may hear like her roll call of jobs and think, Paula is busy. And you are correct. Um, But it's just so great to talk to her today because over the past few years, she went through an enormous transformation internally as she figured out how to let go of narratives that were no longer serving her. Fear, fear of letting other people down, fear of not living up to her potential, fear of walking away from a job that literally everyone said she would be crazy to walk away from. And today, instead, she's focusing on what makes her soul sing. It is so timely. You're going to love this conversation. This has so much relevance to where you and I are right now in this world. And hey, lucky me, she is actually my book twin. 
because on the exact same day that Fierce came out, Paula released her first brand new book where she talks about this whole journey and it's called Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. I think you're going to find this conversation encouraging and full of possibility and potential for what it means to live healthy and true. I'm telling you, Paula is brave. She is courageous. She is warm. She is funny. She is lovely. I'm so happy that I've met her. So please enjoy this incredible conversation with me and Paula Ferris. I'm so happy that you're on the podcast today, Paula. And we were just talking because you and I have book twins and thus they shall ever be right out into the world on the same day went your book called out and my book fierce free and fall fire. And so they're nested together in their crib for the rest of their lives. So real quick, before we talk about that, because you actually have so much to offer the community right now in this moment in time. I mean, you didn't expect that, but here you are. You and I were on Instagram live together and it was fun. It was really, really fun. I had a lot of my people be like, you guys are cute. You guys are good together. And we were just saying like, <laughs> you're a cute little couple, aren't you? We're a cute couple. <laughs> and that's fun to know. It's fun to find a new friend in the world. So can you just tell my listeners really quickly before we dive into it, where you are right now, who are your people? What does your home and family look like right now? And specifically kind of in this quarantine world, what are your rhythms? What are your days? How are you doing? How are your people doing? So we live in New York. We live in Westchester County. But about a month ago, we decided to drive down to South Carolina. My sister lives here and we thought, let's quarantine. Let's hunker down with family. So at least we can enjoy the outdoors and my kids can run around. I think they're like 67% feral at this point. And I am totally, I am totally fine with that. I don't know if they own shoes anymore. I don't know if my boys have changed their underwear since last week. I'm doing the laundry and wondering why there are no underwear in the laundry because they're not changing them. But we're down here with family and you know, we're just trying to give ourselves grace at this point because we're all stepping out of our comfort zones, Jen, and we're all veering into oncoming traffic, so to speak, and just trying to give ourselves grace. I have to remember, you know, my kids have never been through anything like this. I've never been through anything like this. So as out of body and uncomfortable as it may be for me, I have to remember that in context of my children and give them plenty of grace too when they're acting like little demons, which is also about 67% of the time. (laughs) But honestly, like what's getting us through is being outside. We have a big yard, just spending some time outside in nature. Jack Daniels has been a really close friend of ours right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we're trying to take advantage of this time in the same breath that we talk incessantly about we need to spend more time together as a family. Well, we're getting it right now. So let's make the most of it. I've never cooked more in my life. Same. And I'm not once again, stepping out of my comfort zone. Listen, there's a couple of basic things that I can cook and I'm trying to stick with that. We have taco Tuesday, three times a week, taco Thursday, taco Saturday. But like I said, we're, we're just giving ourselves grace in this moment. I love that you made the early decision to go quarantine with family. That was so smart. Knowing we're in this for the long haul and New York's a really hard place to be quarantined. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, my kids, they go to school in New Rochelle. My boys do at least, not my daughter. And that was one of the first containment zones where they sent the National Guard in. So they've been out of school for like four years already. So they've been out of school for a while. My husband was working remotely. ABC told the correspondents to stop coming into the office. So we're like, let's just go to South Carolina. 
So here we are. And it's springtime there. South Carolina is so beautiful. I mean, I can already, I can sense how that probably place and space is serving you to say nothing about just kind of getting to be with family at the same time. That was a, how old are your kids? My kids are 12. I have a daughter and then I have two boys that are 10 and six. So I have seventh grade, fourth grade and kindergarten. And the kindergartner has more homework than the two others combined. It's just not fair. You know, I have a lot of empathy for the parents who are managing the elementary kids at home because you know, my kids are all bigger. We're two in college, two in high school, one in middle. So they are on their own on school. They're self-reliant. Well, it's honestly getting to that point where I feel like we have to be realistic with our expectations and be realistic with the workload. And I don't know how to subtract uneven fractions. I'm Googling things and totally out of my wheelhouse. I'd rather my, especially my boys, learn how to do laundry and learn how to cook, take a couple of meals. I want them to learn how to do life. And so I'm trying to focus on practicality, pragmatic thing that they can, let's see how it turns out with the report cards. But I also feel like you can't really hold us all accountable here in this moment. Like you have to give us an A. Oh my gosh. This is what I'm telling all my teacher friends. I'm like, look, if you think for one second, we expect you to be awesome right now, that we expect you to deliver us some incredible developed curriculum that is all located on the internet, you are dead wrong. Like you can give us two sentences between now and the end of May and we will say thank you so much and that's all we can really do. And so like every week we get an email that's like, we're going to kind of just say 70% and above is pass or, you know, that's an A. Then the next week it's like, if you just turn something in, we're going to give you credit. Like just write a sentence. Every single week is just dropping. I'm like, listen, you have all my sympathies, educators. I cannot even imagine. You know, and most the tons of them have kids at home too. So they're managing their kids' school at home plus their classrooms. It's too much. It's too much world. It's too much for all of us. That's why I just give us grades. We need to strike up some sort of deal with the teachers right now. Totally. You don't give us any more homework and then in return, just give our kid an A. So this is so interesting because as it turns out, you have just released a book that is incredibly timely and you didn't write it knowing this was coming. You didn't prepare, of course, for to drop it into the middle of a pandemic. But what I'm hearing in my community are so many people saying, this season is giving me a moment to really evaluate what's next, to really consider like, where am I at? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And so a lot of people are hitting a reset button. And so I love this because in your story, a few years ago, you hit a reset button. And you talk about all of that in your book, which is called Called Out. And I wonder if you can talk about your story a little bit, if you can high level this for us and say, you know, this is where I was. And this is when I started to take my life back. This is when I knew it was time to make a change. Sure. Well, I had been working at ABC, you know, born and raised in the Midwest. In TV, you kind of work your way up. It's similar to, I know you speak footballese, so I'm going to just speak a little footballese. When you're getting in as a coach and the football level, you start at peewee, then you work your way up to college. And then the pinnacle is the NFL. So I work my way up in broadcasting from small markets in Ohio and Chicago. And then I get called to go to the network, which is the pinnacle. About nine years ago, I really felt like God was calling our family to New York. And at the height of my career, a couple of years ago, I rose the ranks, so to speak, pretty quickly. I leaned in really hard. 
because that's what society tells us to do, to lean in hard. And it's almost always related to career because our calling is our career. And at the height of my career, anchoring Good Morning America weekends, and I would anchor during the week quite a bit too, and co-hosting The View, I burned out. And I had sensed this stirring in my spirit. I sensed God telling me I needed to slow down. I was at a professional high. This is what God called me to do, but at a personal low where I looked around Jen, my own personal landscape, and it was falling apart. The grass hadn't been watered in 10 years. You know, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with God, my health was suffering, everything was suffering. And it got to a point where I'm like, these, my professed values were totally clashing with the choices that I was making, both personally and professionally. So I sensed God stirring this within me that I needed to step away at the height of my career. I'm like, that's crazy. God, what, like, I don't understand. And then I was paralyzed by my fear for a while, fear of what people would think that I was a failure. And so I didn't. And then God has a way of getting your attention. And he got my attention through a personal crisis. It was a series of events I write about in the book called My Season of Hell. And five freak events that happened over a seven-month period. It started with a miscarriage and an emergency surgery. And then I had a concussion. Someone threw an object at my head while I was getting ready to go live for Good Morning America. Knocked me out of work for three weeks. It's the craziest, the craziest story. The day I got cleared to go back to work, Jen, I get in a head-on car crash. What? And then I get influenza, which turned into pneumonia. And that oh, was seven. I was like, all right, God. Okay. If you don't listen, God does have a way of getting your attention. And he got my attention. And so I said, all right, I'll step away. And I did. But once I stepped away, like I was scared of what I was walking away from. And then I was fearful of what I was walking into because it's not like God said, I want you to step away. And I've got some cushy gig lined up. I had no idea what I was stepping into. And I thought it was crazy. I didn't really want to leave. I still loved what I did, but I was so addicted to the gig. But once I stepped away, Jen, I had no idea who I was outside of it. My identity, my purpose had been completely consumed. My significance was misplaced in doing instead of being. And so i that's where a lot of the book is written in this space of not just me. I conduct a lot of interviews because I'm a reporter and that's what I do. But I conduct a lot of interviews and gather anecdotes and observations of others who've also gone down this path of misplaced significance. And then how we've discovered true calling and unrootable, unshakable purpose that doesn't shift in a pandemic and doesn't change in a personal crisis. So let's talk about that because, again, that's so relevant right now to everybody listening. Like the ground underneath most of us has been very shaken. And so we're kind of seeing what structures are holding and what are crumbling. This is really showing us where we're at and what's real and what's not real. And so I'd love to hear you talk about right where you just left off, like that funneled down sense of true, unshakable, like worth and identity and purpose. Like it's so hard because I'm like you, I'm, I'm a doer and I have big ideas and big dreams and attaching what I do to who I am is so seamless I have to squint to see the line. How would you talk about discovering where our worth comes from? Where does that unshakable part, how did you get to that? Well, I had to fall on my face and realize that I needed to eat some crow. For so long, I had maintained, you know, as a woman of faith that I'm not defined by what I do. I'm defined by who I am. And I said 
multiple times, even publicly, that I could walk away from what I did and still know who I was. And so, you know, unfortunately, Jen, it's very natural for us to buy that lie that our worth is work and that our value is vocation and that our calling is career because society tells us what's your name and what do you do for a living? And society asks our kids, what do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grow up? As if that's our only contributions. We lean into that and we buy that lie. What I discovered, and I really felt like God revealed it to me in this season of humility where I just had to say I had it all wrong. I'm sorry, God. I feel like he revealed that we have two callings on our life because this is a word we throw around so freely, so casually, yet I don't feel like I can separate it from career. Like, is it career or is it person? What is calling? And so I feel like God said, you have two callings. You have a faith calling, which is your purpose. And that is unmovable, unshakable, unrootable. It's who you are. It has nothing to do with what you do. So my purpose statement, my faith calling statement is I'm here to love God and love people. Full stop. Like you say, full stop. That's nothing else. It has nothing to do with doing. It is I am here, my purpose. And so often purpose is intertwined with doing. Purpose is intertwined with career. My vocational calling is what I do. And my vocational calling will shift and it can shift. And my vocational calling is the vehicle. No matter what branch I'm on in that vocation, it's the vehicle by which I will love God and love people. It's, great. And once I separated them and I had to discover who I was outside of what I did, like a couple of years ago, I would have introduced myself. Hi, Jen, I'm Paula Ferris and I'm the anchor at Good Morning America Weekends and I'm the co-host of The View, right? Sure. That's who I was. Okay, now I would say, hi, Jen, I'm Paula Ferris and I'm a wife, a mother. I love Jesus. I am a questioner. I'm curious and I champion people. That's great. And that doesn't ever change. That's tied to who I am. Totally. I'd love to hear from you in that moment when you are receiving the message, the world is making it super clear. God is making it super clear. What was the hardest thing about saying yes to this monumental shift? I mean, this is not a small thing. It's not just a matter of quitting a job. This was way more deeply rooted than that. What was hard And what served you most as you moved through that fear, like you just said, rather than you could have found a way to route around it. You could have like, you could have walked away from your job without any of this internal work. You could have said, well, people just keep throwing things at my head and I keep getting in wrecks. So I'm just going to have a minute where I'm not hurt. You know, you could have found another path, but What was the most challenging thing and what served you best at the beginning of this space where you started the climb out? Yeah, yeah. The most difficult part for me, and I wish you could have heard the inner dialogue and the outer dialogue with God. I was angry because I said, why did you lead me to this space, to this platform, only to ask me to fail spectacularly, only to ask me to to give it all up? Like, what was the point? Do you know what I mean? And so... You know, like, God, you didn't call me to do this, right? But then I had to reconcile. I feel like I started to soften and God was like, if I called you to this, then why is your marriage a wreck? And why is your relationship with your children suffering? And why is your relationship with me suffering? Why aren't you going to church anymore? Why is your health starting to fail? Fear has paralyzed me in so many different moments of my life. Fear paralyzed me from getting into broadcasting at the beginning because I didn't think I could do it. And now fear was paralyzing me 
from stepping away from this dream job and stepping into the unknown, it was very scary. And it's still scary. I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months with my own job and with my husband's job. But we really feel like God is shifting us into this area. It's normal to have, for me, I, I just didn't have a peace at the end of the day of where I was. And I, I, and I could sense that not only was my personal landscape a, a hot mess, but I had this sense in my spirit. I wasn't at peace and I knew that I needed to make a change. And once I accepted that, once I was like, all right, God, I'll do this. I'm scared as hell. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'll do it. I had an overwhelming sense of peace about it. Even though I was still scared, I had a peace. That passes all understanding. Like I couldn't describe it. Right. Those are not moments that necessarily always make sense on paper. Never. You know, when you look at it like that and you put ticks in the different, you know, ledgers, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But I love that because I think most listeners can identify with that internal sense of peace or not peace right? This intuition that is telling us what's right and good and true. It's telling us that's a Holy Spirit voice. That is a gut check. That's that thing where we're like, I know, like if I was going to tell the truth right now inside, I know something is broken here. I know this is not what flourishing looks like, even if it looks like it on the outside, because you were successful, super successful, but that internal, oh, I wish women, I wish we would follow that more. I wish that that was something we would listen to. It takes a while to trust it. It sure does. Because we're listening so often, we're listening to the wrong voices. But I just, I've kind of been a go with your gut type of person where sometimes I know it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to other people. If I feel that peace or a stirring, I know that God's trying to say something to me. Like when John and I almost got divorced, you know, before we started having kids, we were separated. I wanted nothing to do with him. We both, you know, did a lot of things to one another, very hurtful things. But neither of us had a piece about breaking up, even though I moved out, we just one of those Holy Spirit things where, and I'm so glad that we stuck it out, even though, you know, we were fighting for something that we didn't really feel like it was worth fighting for. We just obeyed that sense in our spirit. And I mean, I love him so dearly and we are so compatible and, but we just had to learn about one another. We had to learn how to forgive one another. And now we have three beautiful kids. So I love that. That's putting a lump in my throat. That's so good. So if you'll just thinking about the person listening right now, who like, you know, when you hear somebody else tell their story and it's like, your face is getting hot. Like, is she spying on me? That they've got some of this internal gut check going on, be it a career. This could be any number of things. For you, this was located in your work, but this misalignment can be in a lot of ways. This can be in a lot of spaces. And she is thinking, my insides, I know what's right, good, and true. And I'm misaligned right now. Just what would you say to her? How would you encourage that person? Like way before she's taken a step, the thing is still intact, you know, whatever the thing is for her. How would you speak right to her in this like growing fear? Like she's like, I want to turn this podcast off. Look around and assess your landscape. Okay. And ask yourself, are the personal choices that I'm making are they clashing with my professed values? And my professional choices, are those clashing with my professed values? Is my relationship with God off? Is my relationship with kids suffering? Is my relationship with my husband and my church, is that suffering? Okay, so like 
do a personal assessment and notice and listen to that gut, that instinct, that spirit that's moving. And then I would just encourage you that in decisions, big and small, but mainly big, expect fear. Don't be surprised by it. You should expect it and you should anticipate it. But it's on you to press past it. God has commanded you to press past it. He's acknowledged you're going to feel that way, but he's also promised that he's going to be in it, through it, on the other side of it. But you have to take that first step. That's it. And they can. Women can. This is all very possible. I'm always telling women, you're so capable of surviving, not just surviving, but thriving. You are capable of courage and bravery. You are capable of change. Really, like everything is within reach. And it's so helpful to have people like you, Paula, drop your story right in front of us as a model, as an example, like, okay, look here, it's possible. See, this is what it looked like for me. And then we are able sort of to take some of the lessons that you earned and begin to apply them to our lives. It's just an incredible gift always, but weirdly, especially right now in this moment. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you three questions we're asking all the guests in this series, this quarantine series. Okay, here's the first one. If you have one, have you acquired or whatever, either a new practice or a habit or something during this stay at home all the time moment we're having that's helping you keep kind of grounded, something that's serving you well. If I say a glass of wine at the end of the evening, does that make me a bad person? It makes you tell you the truth. That's what it does. And one other thing that I love doing is, you know, we used to have family movie night on Fridays and I would make popcorn, but we're kind of having family movie night most nights. And I let the kids pick and we're watching some oldies too. Like I'm weaving in the 1960s version of Swiss Family Robinson. Yes. Oh, nice. Did you ever watch Space Camp? I love that movie. Of course. I'm, I'm not sure if it's appropriate because we don't have PG-13 back in the day. So we all get to make a pick. That's cute. I love both those practices. I am also partaking in both of those practices. Okay. What about this? Of course, you're not in your actual house. So this might look different for you, but you're in this home that you are in. Are you looking around going, I got a lot of time on hands right now. This is a thing I'm going to tackle, a project, this thing I wanted to organize, this thing I wanted to do, this thing I wanted to learn, whatever it is. Like, is there anything that you are just kind of going, I got a little bit of time for this thing I've wanted to do? It's hard because there are so many things I want to do, but they're all back in New York. Like I've had this big bin of old photos and frames. I'm like, why did I bring that down with me? Because I feel like we all have that bin that moves from house to room to house to room and we never open it, but we always have the intention of like tapping into it. I and it. I just think at this point, I'm like, okay, it's just going to happen when I retire down the road. Like when I'm old, most of the things that I have wanted to do are back in New York. So here I'm kind of like, I'm trying to just rest as much as I can. Oh, that's a great answer. But that's what I'm trying to tackle is just rest. Like so often I feel like my phone's so close and I'm trying to be intentional, leave my phone, you know, in the house for a couple of hours to just sit outside and meditate, which I don't do enough of. So pray and meditate. Yeah, I'm doing some of that too. It's weird because our phones and laptops and screens, on one hand, they're kind of a portal to each other right now. It's how we're connecting. I'm here, you and I are right now looking at a screen at each other's faces. And on the other hand, it can really take us out of the homes we're in. And so we're also trying to figure out that balance. Like when can we just shut this down and go sit on the porch? And those moments are always really, really fulfilling. Here's the last question. I actually ask every single guest this question in every single series. It's from a spiritual leader that I love. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor, and she has just 
ministered to me for a really long time, but this was her question, which I love. And you can answer it literally however you want. So this can be a serious answer or absurd. What is saving your life right now? What is saving my life right now is mascara. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know that that's absurd. Do you know why? Because I put it on and I feel human. I put it on and I feel like I can get up. You know, even though I have worn the same sweatshirt two days in a row, I have mascara on today and it's making me feel human. It's when I don't have to shower. I just need a couple layers of mascara. That's what's saving me right now. I know it might sound petty. No, it does not. It's so real. Like my daughter, Sydney, is about to turn 20 and she was in the bathroom with me a couple of days ago and she and my other daughter were going to do this kind of live broadcasting with me and she put on mascara. She was like, mom, look at my face. I'm fancy. I'm fancy again. I'm like, you look at you. Look at your eyelashes. It's a mood booster. It's true. It really is. It's a survival necessity. If I'm on an island, I want, and I can only have two things. I want a bottle of water and I want some mascara. I like this. Will you just tell everybody really quick before we sign off where they can get called out, where they can find you, where do you like to be located on the internet? Yes. On the interwebs. I am not the most social media savvy person on the planet, but if you want to find me, I'm at Instagram and Twitter. And my handle is the same on both. It's my first name and last name, Paula Ferris. And Ferris is spelled just like Paris, but with an act like Frank. So there you go. And you know, you can reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the book. I'd love to see where you see yourself in the book. And if I do leave women with one thing, I just want them to know and men that are listening to you that your worth isn't your work and your value is not your vocation and your calling is not your career. Listen, God can use you in any myriad of ways. You can branch out. Don't see yourself so one dimensionally. Vocation can be seasonal. Look at you. You were a teacher. You know what I mean? Allow yourself, give yourself the permission to accept that worth isn't work. And then that frees you and allows God to use you in such a myriad of different capacities. Yes. This is me clapping. Clapping for oh, you. Clapping too. I'm clapping, clapping for, you. for my book, Twin. I'm so excited about it. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for giving us your time and your energy and for bringing a message that really means so much to so many people. God, that would set so many people free. And so I'm so happy to have introduced your brand new outstanding offering to my community. Okay, that's it. And now we have each other's cell phones. So let's abuse it. Let's abuse that. I'm all yeah. about that. Yay. I'm going to text you after this. All right. Yay. You're you're probably going to regret that you gave me. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Thanks for coming on today. Okay. I'd love. Thank you. And good listener. That is a wrap. That is a wrap on the delightful Paula Ferris on the podcast. And it's a wrap of the Quarantine Queens series. If you missed any of these episodes, you should go back and pick some of them up. We had some of the greatest conversations. They're all a little bit shorter than our normal series, our normal podcasts. But golly, I learned a lot and felt really served by the people that agreed to come on quickly. And they made me laugh and they made me think and they made me feel less alone. So go back and pick up any episodes that you missed and definitely keep staying tuned in to the regular For the Love podcast series. We are in the middle of the Fierce Free and Full of Fire series, which has been such a delight. Oh, did we ever pack that series with outstanding people? And let me say this too, your response to Fierce out in the world where it lives now, it's a born baby, has meant literally the world to me. 
I could not be more pleased that it is serving you well. I could not be more pleased that it is meeting you where you are in your life right this moment. Thank you for every word you have said about it to me, to your friends. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for communicating what it is meaning to you. Thank you for your vulnerability. It's just more than I could have ever imagined. I am a grateful author and I am your grateful sister. And so I look forward to you and I marching forward ahead inside the strength of fierce as we continue to unpack it together and learn together and talk more. I have so much more to say. So anyway, I hope you have enjoyed this series as much as you can enjoy a series that is tuned into your own personal quarantine. So my team has worked so hard to bring it to you. I'm so grateful to them. So Big thanks and love to my producer, Laura, and her whole staff, and my assistant and partner, and Amanda. We just doubled down. We doubled down on this for you. And so I'm grateful to that amazing team of women who never, ever stop. All right. Much love to you, listeners. See you next time. Mm-hmm.